Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John Cunningham is a friend of mine and a brother in Christ, and he can help you with financial decisions and future planning. He's been a big help to me and my family, and I commend him to you. You can reach him at 205-913-1720. I am so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, welcome back. I hope that your new year is going well, and I'm very excited to share some simple ideas with you today. I think I can confidently say that of everything I hope to share with you this year, this, to me, is the most important of them all. I am intentionally trying to stack it earlier in the year so that I can reference back to it. Also, new listeners tend to start at the beginning of the year, and I wanted to make sure that they caught it. We are talking about the sequential relationship between the grace that comes down from God, the faith that is developed inside of you, and the life or the works that you live as an extension of that. For me, this is about a lot more than just a podcast in late January. I believe this can help address issues and trouble in the hearts of believers that they've had for a very long time. I'm hopeful to make it the theme for the entire year of 2023. During the off-season of gospel meetings, which is like mid-November through mid-January, I like to go back through the lessons that I taught here in Lindale and the things that I thought made the biggest difference and try to formulate a theme that I hopefully can take to all of the churches that I visit throughout the coming year. This year, that theme came through clearer than ever before. You and I have talked quite a bit about grace in episodes last year. And if we can just learn and believe that God's overwhelming and abundant grace is the beginning of every good thing, that everything that is possible that is good springs from it, and that no matter how hard you try, nothing good can hold without it, we can live with a whole lot of hope in our hearts, freedom and optimism in our walk, and very likely will accomplish biblical things in our walk with God that were not possible by our own power before, no matter how hard we tried. Look, if you've been in the church very long, you've heard plenty of conversations, sermons, and even debates on the relationship between the grace of God, the faith in your heart, and your works. The Bible is quite clear that we are saved by grace. The Bible is also clear that we are saved by faith. And the book of James quite clearly states that we are justified by our works and not by faith alone. So the question is, how does all of that work together? The answer, quite simply, is amazingly. But the problem is there are many believers who have not come up with the right answer of how those things relate to each other. For instance, let me break it down into just two categories instead of three. What God does and what you do. I might ask you a seemingly simple question. What is more important? What God has done for your salvation or what you do to procure it? Just about every Christian I know would give greater credence to the grace. God's grace is brighter and better and stronger. But we might very well come back in the next breath and say, but they are equally necessary. They are equally important. Like two weights on a scale, grace on one side and works on the other, and they balance each other out. 
I do not believe that there is even the slightest hint of an equal balance between the goodness and mercy and provisions of the Almighty God and that which I am able to accomplish within myself in a term called faith or external to myself in the term life or works. I think the problem is seeing them as basically the same is maybe a forced perspective from where you stand, but is not accurate to the truth. Before we talk about how grace started everything and all that God has provided through Christ before you were even born has made any good outcome possible, let me share with you a basic illustration to show how off our perspective can be. If you asked a young person, or maybe just someone who isn't familiar with astronomy, which one is larger, the sun or the moon? What do you think they would say? Again, if they didn't know anything about distances and they just saw the sun in the evening sky and then the moon later that night, they might argue that they are about the same size. They would probably say that the sun is much brighter and it looks much more powerful But especially if they've ever seen a solar eclipse where the moon passes between us and the sun, they could certainly testify that they are about the same size. And, of course, based on the fact that the sun is 400 times farther away than the moon, from where we're standing, that's basically how they look. They look about the same size, the same density, the same weight. But they are not. Not even close. Did you know that the sun is 400 times wider than the moon, that you could fit 64 million moons inside of our sun. The sun is greater than the moon in power and energy by basically an infinite number. In fact, the only reason we can see the moon is because of the sun. And any light that happens to radiate from that tiny little moon is completely drawn from and credited to the immense power of the sun. This doesn't mean that the moon is unimportant. In fact, life could not be sustained on this earth without the work of that small rock in our immediate orbit. And this is the way I believe we should be looking at the nature of God's infinite grace, his power to change, his light and goodness in comparison to anything that I can accomplish of my own labors and standalone power. As we get into this, I love the idea of the sun even more. Because we find, as I mentioned in an episode last year, that God's grace was delivered from heaven to earth in the person that is Jesus Christ. He holds a name that is above every other name, Hebrews 1, and that name is the Son of God. Jesus, from John 1, is the Word of God sent to create all things. He is the light, John 1, that illuminates the earth and enlightens men. Everything that lives emanates from him. There is no life without him. In the literal sense of existing and in the spiritual sense of redemption. And like the moon in the sky, any amount of trust that I can build for him in my heart or good works of shining I can do in his name is entirely the result of his interaction with me, of recognizing and receiving the grace upon grace that has been extended, that has been maintained, and that is always available in Jesus. So I'll go ahead and sequence this out in the middle of the episode and then talk about how I think it sometimes gets out of order at the end. First and above all else, everything starts with the grace of God. 
everything that is good, everything that has the power to turn bad to good is sourced in the great maker. And even before you were a Christian, you were surrounded by and the recipient of the great grace of God. We could start before either of us were born, but let's just start at your birth. The point is, I want to start before you were baptized. How much grace has God poured into your life? Firstly, the fact that you exist at all is the workings of Christ intentionally carried out as an act of grace. The beautiful fact that you possess an eternal soul in the likeness of the Lord is an act of grace. And if you're anything like me or like I was as a teenager, the fact that you're still alive, that God has been patient with you through all of the twists and turns, is in no way the result of your goodness or works and entirely the result of his unmatched loving kindness. God so loved the world that you were born into a world where his son had come and given his life for you. I'm not suggesting that you receive the full import of eternal life in Jesus without obeying the gospel, but I am telling you that the fact that Jesus did die and was raised and is ruling and is a high priest and a king and has built his church and has put redemption right in front of you and made it so easily accessible to you means that God has filled your life with grace even before you became a Christian. And if you have become a Christian, it should be something you have done because of all of that, out of sheer gratitude for how wonderful the Lord has been for you and the beautiful gift that he has put in front of you. As a result of knowing that, the more that you learn about that, something should start to happen in your heart. It starts with believing that it's true. That belief deepens to this sense of trusting that all of this is true. Right alongside that, this emotion called love starts to grow within your heart. Then you find yourself ready to make full surrender, to absolutely give yourself over to this wonderful God who has done so much for you. This is called faith, and it's super important, and it is something that you choose to do, but more like in the sense that the moon chooses to shine. It is the natural outcome of having experienced the sun. And what exactly happens to a person whose heart has been reshaped by the Lord? Someone who has been overwhelmed by faith in all that God has promised. It's simple. It's practically natural and unmistakable. You obey him. Especially when you get to Acts 2 and they learn how great Jesus is and all that God has done and made possible for them. And they just want to experience it. And they're told that it is so simple to believe in that grace, to turn from the sin that hurts him, and to submit in baptism for the remission of your sins. Which, by the way, is not very impressive. You don't even do anything. You stand in the water, someone else takes you under and brings you back. This has never been about your power on your own to accomplish something that will result in God's grace. This is about falling in love with God and his grace and seeking to live in a way that demonstrates that for him, and finding out that you can have grace, Ephesians 1, lavished upon your soul forever if you obey the gospel, obedience in a godly life is no longer laborious or hard because you're not fighting for the internal power or strength to get it done so that maybe God will bless you. 
You're just reacting to that which God has done and that which God has offered. And you live that out every day for the rest of your life. And so it all flourishes in this simple sequence. Everything begins with the grace of God extended to you. You receive it into your heart and mind, and faith begins to grow. That faith begins to transform you from the inside out, and you faithfully live filled with thankfulness as an image bearer, like the moon of the great sun, who, before you were even a Christian, created you and offered you an adoption into the family of God. And now, as you become a Christian, he offers his guidance, his wisdom, his high priesthood, his lordship, the Holy Spirit, more grace showered down from above, changing your heart and directing your life. Now, let me talk a little bit about what happens when we get this out of sequence. I need to offer one of those caveats here. I'm not saying every preacher has taught it this way, nor that everyone believes it in this way. But I am saying that misunderstanding on this relationship has cost us good people. There are those who maybe weren't taught so, but who came away believing that the way to fix everything is their effort, that it all starts with you. You need to believe better, try harder, do more, and then God will extend his hand. A great many people have found that they don't have the power to do that because they don't have the power to do that, and so they walk away. I think it's time to tell them about the grace of God, but we've got to start getting this sequence correct. Here are a couple of deviations. One is faith to life to grace. This all begins with you. You are the power behind it. You need to believe. You need to trust. You need to start doing what's right, and you need to do it better. And if you do, there will come a point where God will extend his grace to you. If that sounds worked-based to you, I'll just say that it does to me as well. And the problem is that people instinctively know that they're not able to do that. It's like telling the moon, hey, you're basically the size of the sun, so we're going to need you to provide some of your own light for a while, and then maybe we'll lend you some extra from the sun. This idea of me first and then him, it won't work, no matter how hard we try. Maybe we've even interpreted God's plan in the full reverse order. We tell some young person, look, you just need to go out and live right. It starts with you doing what's right. Over the years, your heart will begin to change. You will deepen in compassion of heart and you will come to love God. And then somewhere along the way, when it's enough to please him, he will begin to shower you with blessings. Can you see why so many people give up? Sometimes we preach a good game. It's all by God's glory and grace and you can't earn anything. And then maybe what we teach them next basically sounds like go out and earn it. No doubt, emails will come in this week from preachers saying, I never preached it like that, and I never met anyone who did. But I'm talking to you about real conversations with Christians who sat in church a long time and heard a lot of sermons. And somehow, along the way, they've come to believe that they're the ones that have the power to make this right. It can harden their heart, destroy their hope, lead them to give up, and miss out on the one thing that they can actually do to make it better. Investigate. Consider, learn about the great grace of God. Give your ear to hear of His power to create all things, His wisdom to create you, His patience to sustain you, His 
power and guidance in the revealed and beautiful word, his great offering in sending his own son, his entirely grace-based offer of putting salvation right in front of you with the power, his power, to completely erase all of your sin and shame and guilt. Not to then give you a list of rules and send you out on a bootstrap journey of proving yourself, but by graciously, kindly, and wonderfully walking with you every step of the way. And in all of the scary things like complete life change or facing death, Jesus, by his grace, has already gone first. Grace went first. Do you believe it? Do you really believe it? Has he done enough to earn your trust? Because once you act based upon that which he has done, the only road forward is to follow him. By the way, I did not come up with this sequence, and I'm certainly not trying to force some approach. The entire New Testament is laid out this way. The ministry of Jesus in the Gospels is designed to show you the power and the grace of the Lord. It is laid out to give you supernatural reasons to believe. The book of Acts then explores how people came to believe it and how their lives were changed as a result of the Lord's goodness. From grace to faith to life. And this isn't just about how you became a Christian. Several of the epistles, which were written to people who were already Christians, took them right back through this process. The book of Romans, for instance, in the first several chapters, talks about how unworthy and unrighteous we are, except for all that God has done. And like Abraham, we're being asked to believe in God and his goodness. And that becomes the source for the renovated life and all of the good works that he desires for us to do. The book of Ephesians, the book of Colossians, 1 Peter, they all do this exact same thing. And the reason I share that with you is that I know that even as a Christian, we can sometimes feel powerless. We get disheartened. We start to feel like we're not good enough because, in fact, on our own, we're not. We wish we had more faith because we know that that would lead to better behavior. We're told to figure it out or else, and we're running out of ideas. Go back to God's grace. You're not doing anything mighty there. You're just subjecting your intellect to that which God has made abundantly clear in the world around us and through his son. And that leads to a final thought from me on how you can get God engaged in your life in a way that deepens your faith and helps your walk. We've been covering a really great book in our Lindell Bible classes. It was written by Jacob Hudgens, The School of Christ. It's ridiculously good. I think I'll put a tag to it in the show notes. But there's this real exploration of the difference between your heart and your mind. Jesus even distinguishes between the two. And when you think about heart, you think about feelings and emotions. I think about faith, that which is within me. And from the heart comes speech and conduct and everything else. So things go from faith, heart, to life, conduct. But God has also given you a mind. It is another part of your consciousness that can simply gather information and do something with it. And to put it quite simply here at the end, if you're struggling with your faith, it's because there are some things that you don't know about God. If you knew, if you recognized, if you read and understood the lengths to which God has gone to save your soul, your heart would melt and everything about your life would change. You would come to believe that everything is possible with him. 
Like the sun in the sky, you would come to believe that he provides power and help in your life that is not only beyond your own power, it's beyond your ability to comprehend. But that leads you to believe in someone greater than yourself. And all of the sudden, things that are greater than what you can do are accomplished. Find your way back to God. Read a psalm a day or a chapter in the Gospels. Or maybe just glance up at the moon tonight and ask yourself how a rock like that is able to shine so brightly. Because that's exactly what God can do for you. May our great God empower you and guide you from grace to faith to life. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. And if you're just in search of deeper Bible study or you want to share the message of Jesus with the children in your life, remember to go to Creation to revelation.com. This wonderful company run by Christians provides beautiful illustrations of scripture from beginning to end, putting the spotlight on Jesus. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.